0: Well, welcome back to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I am Pastor Scott.
1: I'm Pastor Tyson.
0: And we are here to break down this past Sunday's sermon uh, from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 9 on spirit-controlled workers. So Tyson, appreciate the uh, the work that you went through this week to uh, present this to our, our church family. Um, as we kind of lead into the podcast here today, it would just be helpful to begin with just what, as you studied this this past week and, and brought it really to, to bear on the hearts of our people this week, what was it that you really wanted people uh, to to take away from this particular sermon?
1: Yeah, this was a real joy to work on this text. It was a, there's nothing really controversial about the text, so to speak. nothing hard about it um, in the sense of understanding or typical theology. But man, it was a very applicable text. and. Mm. Uh, but I think that what was so helpful for me in studying it and kind of framing what the text was saying is not under and not not talking about the text as if it this is how you be a better employee or how you mm-hmm. be a better boss, but actually seeing this is actually how you worship mm-hmm. through your work, mm-hmm. and coming to see work as worship because I think that's mm-hmm. the big temptation that all of us can struggle with is is not viewing work as worship that it's this like it's a secular thing we do in life mm-hmm. but it has no um godly value to it mm-hmm. at all that there's nothing significant about it you know that we kind of view it as it's just this necessary thing i have to do a necessary mm-hmm. evil mm-hmm. in order to provide for my family and things yeah. like that but uh and so if we have that view about our work then when we come into difficulties with our work, with uh, relationships, or mm-hmm. our bosses are real difficult to work, or our job the job itself is really hard, and you know, or, uh, there's so many diff- all the issues that can come with work. If we don't view it as worship, then it mm-hmm. really makes um, handling those difficulties mm-hmm. in a um, in a Christlike way. It makes mm-hmm. it difficult yeah. if we don't have the right perspective about work. Mm-hmm. And so, to come to see work as worship, and to see that we're slaves of Christ ultimately. Mm-hmm. And God created us to work and and bear His image through work, that that makes it worship. And Christ, Mm -hmm. being a slave of Christ means we're in servitude, a Mm -hmm. a, a relationship of working for Him, Mm -hmm. for His glory. And we do it out of love because of what He's done for us. All all of those things really transform work from being this mundane thing that you do for a third of your life Mm -hmm. to something extraordinary. Yeah and having
0: eternal purpose to it. Yeah, becomes really in many ways one of the most strategic mission fields that the Christian actually is afforded uh, in their life. And so I appreciate you kind of drawing our people back to the reality that, I mean, everything we do as Christians, is in some way an expression of our worship to God, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's not some compartmentalized thing that we, uh, you know, is separated. It's it's something that because we know Christ, it infiltrates every area of our life. And so that's really uh, that's really helpful. And so I think there's all all kinds of questions and that that naturally raises one of the one of the issues that you started to touch on um in this sermon was the reality that there is a l there is some distinction between uh a modern context for this passage versus that culture when we have, you know, slaves who are actually owned by masters, right? Like there mm-hmm. is a there is a there are similarities yet distinctions. And so one of those was the fact that, you know, as a slave, you were owned by this master like this you were you were in servitude to this person for uh, an indefinite period or maybe for a defined period, whatever it may be. but um, our modern culture of work is a little bit different, right mm-hmm. so you uh, you have the option at most workplaces, if not all of them, to be able to to quit right so you you can kind of apply for what you want to and you can get out of what you want to. Uh, for the most part. And so maybe that raises some questions then about the balance uh, for somebody, for a Christian who is employed at a place where, uh, whether it be the company, whether it be the specific boss, um, it's just a hard person to work for, right? So, you know, if we want to look at this from the master boss perspective, right? So they're uh, overbearing, they're demanding, you know, maybe just not a fun person to be around, uh, inappropriate, all kinds of different things. So Where's that balance for maybe a Christian? What are some principles that we should think about as to when should Christians bear up under those things and you know persist in them, uh, versus when is maybe the appropriate time for a Christian uh, to say you know what this is not the place that I need to be. Um, I need to I need to resign
1: from it and mm-hmm. pursue something else. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of principles we can think through to help away. Obviously, every, any situation is going to be different. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. there's a cookie-cutter response yeah. that you just uh, apply, but there yeah. are some principles that do apply probably in every situation. So one of the principles I think of is um, you know, what, trying to discern whether or not you should stay at your job or not is, well, first, what's the nature of the problem? Mm-hmm. Is it relational or is it like the actual work itself? Yeah. So like... Um, Is your job asking you or requiring you to do stuff that puts your life at risk? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some jobs where that's a real issue and it's like man I have a responsibility to be around to help my family and so my job my employer keeps asking me to do these things that aren't um, safe Mm -hmm. um, or my employers asking me to do something illegal Mm -hmm. You know we talked about how you're not you're not obligated by your boss if he's asking you to sin so mm-hmm. if that's something that's not going to change, mm-hmm. then, you, yeah, I mean, you have some other obligations in your life that would say, okay, this isn't the place where I should work. And that doesn't mean you should give in to the revenge fantasy that a lot of people have where you go into your boss's office and you're like, You know, I need you to do this for me. I'm not. Well, then I quit. And you just kind of walk out. Hold them hostage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of that kind of thing. But um, you still do it respectfully, you know, and and with a submissive and reverent spirit Mm -hmm. towards your employer. Um, So I think that would be one category. So the relational conflict category would, um, oh, I guess one other, well, before we get to the rational, another one would be is like, how is your job affecting like your other responsibilities in life, like with your family? Um, so if you have a job that is, it's safe to work, but maybe like it's so demanding that you are working tons of overtime mm-hmm. all the time and it's never going to change, like your boss is just always demanding more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you, you try to talk to your boss about it and be like, hey, boss, you know, I've got, this stuff to do with my family at home at night mm-hmm. and all this extra stuff, yeah. if, if that won't change, then you don't say, what? again, you don't do that, well, I'm just gonna quit, you, can, mm-hmm. you know, but you just say, man, okay, I'm not able to fulfill my responsibilities by being involved at church, mm-hmm. um, or being involved with my family and being there for them. I'm missing mm-hmm. out on some of those things. That would be yeah. a cause for wisdom and saying like, this job might be not be the best for me. Mm-hmm. It's because sometimes we make decisions based on jobs, based on how much money we make, right? Yeah. That and that we we let that become the driving force. The driving right? force, yeah. and it's usually from a right heart attitude. We're like, well, I want to make a lot of money for my family, or I want to give give mm-hmm. them the best, and then, mm-hmm. so there's some good motivation there, but then we allow it to cloud or push out the other yeah. responsibilities we have in life. So that might be another reason why it might be time to change a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, we get to the relational thing. Um, I think Matthew is a really good where you can apply some similar principles mm-hmm. to the uh, restoration process. So if somebody's having a hard time with a coworker or their boss, you know, first thing I'm gonna ask them, you know when they're if they're talking to me like I'm really struggling at work you know my my co-workers are horrible to work with or my boss is so mean to me and all stuff and and I'll say well have you talked to them mm-hmm. just privately you know mm-hmm. respectfully just have you told them how mm-hmm. their behavior makes you feel and mm-hmm. you know just you can we, we talk about sometimes in relationships giving like a kind of a sandwich when you have to deal with conflict where you you come in and you start with a nice soft piece of bread and you say Hey, my boss. I really like working here. I appreciate. you, know, I'm really thankful for you, or I respect you. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of setting the tone so that they're not onto the defensive. Yeah. But you're saying, hey, when you did this, it really made me feel this way. Or you know, mm-hmm. have you had those kind of conversations yeah. yet? That's what I would ask somebody mm-hmm. with the coworkers too. Um, same idea. And then if that is, if they say, yeah, I've had those conversations, and they just won't change, um, then I would be asking them, okay, what's the nature of the conflict? Is it something that you can bear up under? like have you been mm-hmm. praying for it how long have you been praying for yeah. it have you what kind of conversations have you had to try and change mm-hmm. the situation and it, and if it, you know after those questions and okay how, how do you think this is something that through God's supernatural grace that you can bear up under so that you can be a gospel witness here to these people as you suffer yeah. or is this something that's Taking a toll on you physically, like mentally, spiritually. Like, is this is this to such a level of difficulty at work that you're like not eating well, sleeping well? It's impacting Mm -hmm. your ability to be with your your family because you're always thinking about work. It's just gnawing at you all the time. Mm -hmm. Those would be maybe some of the things that I would be looking for before you know where. Then it might be like, Mm -hmm. okay, this 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 job is really taking a nasty toll on you, and it might be good to switch. Yeah, that's really good. But again, all of that is always mm-hmm. prefaced by, you know, if you do leave, you're yeah. doing it respectfully, giving two weeks' mm-hmm. notice, you know, yeah. leaving your job honorably yeah. because you're working for the Lord and not for man.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I appreciate that last part there because I've definitely uh, counseled and worked with some uh, people who in the past have left their context just poorly, uh, not necessarily vengefully, but just a better opportunity came along and they just jumped at it and they just quit mm-hmm. immediately from there. And it's kind of uh left, you know, you think about it from the employer's perspective, like, wow, that was a very uh unchristian like thing to And they were a good employer too. Yeah. And so it's just we want to make sure that we are the fragrance of Christ and everything that we do. We can do so lovingly, respectfully, even when we disagree. So mm-hmm. um but also I, I mean I think that first Peter two mentality is really helpful too when you think about uh suffering for the things that are right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's easy whenever you have a bad employer to like just rise to that level to where you're just like, Okay, well I'm not gonna work hard or I'm gonna, you know, not get my best, whatever it may be, when the reality is, you know, first Peter two and talked about, man, like when you suffer even when you're doing right, like there is a, a testimony to yeah. that, that somehow like your boss or the other people around you, they notice like there's something different about you. Like everybody else like is you know, doesn't re- respond this way like yeah. you do. And so yeah. there's just uh there's some there's some unique things to consider. Like you said, there's no cookie cutter approach, but these are a lot of really mm-hmm. good principles to think about. So yeah.
1: and the Bible's full of examples of people who've been through in situations mm-hmm. like that where they've endured um by being obedient, being godly, but I mean like Daniel um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, mm-hmm. and Abednego are some guys who worked in a set, very secular government <laughs> positions. Um, mm-hmm. Worked with uh, pagan unbelievers who did awful, evil things all the time, but yet they held their convictions. They were godly mm-hmm. and they endured. Now they didn't have much of a choice yeah. because they were captives of uh, you know Babylonian captives, but but um, they still held
0: truth to their convictions. Right. And it, yeah, I mean it's amazing to see what what that uh, how that turned out for them. So let's flip this on its head now. So we talked a little bit about things from the employee perspective. Let's let's look about this uh, from the employer perspective. Mm-hmm. There's probably not as many people in our church, but there's still several that are in positions of management or they are bosses or owners of companies and they have employees. So how do we want to think about this from the perspective of the boss, right? So in particular, um, how do Christian bosses – um, best motivate their employees right so cultivate really like that environment of joyful workers whether they're Christian or not right like how does a a, a Christian boss create that type of loving and motivating environment for its yeah. employees
1: yeah I think uh, you know how in Ephesians 6 it tells employees slaves to um, obey with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart and we talked about how that was like you know, showing reverence with an aim to please your employer and that trembling was this, you know, convey that it's visible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, on the flip side, I think employers should um, be able to serve their employees and love on them in a way that's visible, Mm -hmm. you know, that's noticeable. And I think that is, you know, uh, it's so uh, important to help employees feel like you actually care for them and that they're not just this tool that you're using up for, you know, your bottom line that you just toss them out you don't care about them um and then, you know that so i think being gracious at times where you can be you know if you have you know knowing that people are going through all sorts of difficulties in their life and that could be affecting their work at times i think it comes through like doing things in your in your work environment to show and share that love um we you, know, we, you and i were talking about how even here at the church We do that in our staff meetings or even when we have staff retreats, you know, these Christmas party dinner that we're going to do. These are opportunities where we love on the staff in the church and we thank them for what they're doing and appreciate them. And um, I think also during the staff meetings, we talk about. Um, the over, we continually talk about the vision of what we're doing together and how we all contribute to that. And so we're expressing the value of the employees during that time and what they do. And so I think in the secular world, that's, that translates the same way. Like if you're communicating your value to your employees, you're communicating thankfulness to them, uh, being gracious to them, rewarding them where you can, like finding ways to bless yeah. people yeah. Um, beyond yeah. just the paycheck. Yeah that communicates love and stuff. So I think if we're, if bosses are overly communicative where they can be to their employees, you know, share winning people to the vision of what you're doing at work and not just uh, abusing them and using them as a mm-hmm. tool, but just like, and so if you're trying to, let's just say an example, if you're a boss and you're trying to institute a new policy that's like taking jobs in a different direction, you know, changing the way people do their work, mm-hmm. um, you how do you roll that out? Mm-hmm. You know, one is the managerial way, the benevolent dictator where you just say, this is what we're doing, get on board or you're done. You yeah. know, just kind of cold and harsh. Or, um, or do you kind of help win people to the vision, help them embrace it, help yeah. them win it so that they get excited about it and passionate about it? And that takes more effort, thought, and planning to do mm-hmm. that rather than just throwing it out and say, hey, this is what we're doing, get yeah. on board. Yeah. And and bosses have a right to do that to a degree, but, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be careful, too, to remember our our example is jesus Mm -hmm. who led by leading and not by just throwing power around yeah so there might be some circumstances and you know i know there's so many different job scenarios out there where that you just have to roll out policies and say hey guys we got to change and adapt to this but if if and if and where you can you know trying to win people to the vision help people capture it help people see how they're a valuable part of it Mm -hmm. and just showing love And and seeking to bless people beyond the paycheck, I think is a helpful way to, Mm -hmm. for masters to help motivate people. Because when employees work for an environment like that, they want to contribute. They want to work hard. They want to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. It cultivates. I mean, that's it becomes a more natural motivator for them, and so.
1: We've talked about
0: a little bit from the perspective of the employee and now the employer. Maybe a final question that would be worth considering is uh, what what about for those in our church family who are in the more unique situation of uh, perhaps they are disabled, uh, there's something that has taken them out of the workforce, uh, whether it be a long standing illness or uh, physical limitations. Um, Or maybe even just the people who are retired, right? They're they're no longer um, personally employed by uh, a company or boss anymore. Um, How does a sermon like this still transform the way that they think Mm -hmm. about their roles and their responsibilities as uh, as a Christian?
1: Yeah, I'd say there's even a third category. There's old age. Yeah, the old age category, where you know what what about some of our brothers and sisters who are you know, in a nursing home because they physically can't do certain types of work anymore and they need some more assistance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what, is, what, what encouragement does a passage like this bring to them? So I'll try to address each category here briefly because it, it's not, a, again, a, not a cookie cutter response for that touches everybody. Uh, for the retirees, you know, I, I, I do really consider those who are retired redeployed. So it's like you don't have a typical boss anymore, but you have um, the same amount of time and you have the ability now to, you have freedom, liberty to work in ways and devote yourself to other projects and things in life so your work isn't done. Um, You know, I think John Piper's book talked about this in his uh, Don't Waste Your Life, and he's an example of how, you know some people use their retirement just for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they go and they spend it all the time at the beach or they're just traveling the world golf in their RV course, and yeah. the golf course and stuff and he used the illustration of like being at the beach and collecting seashells and he says on the day of judgment, when I go to stand before the Father, mm-hmm. I don't wanna say like what did you do with your retirement? Look at my seashell collection and mm-hmm. you know and. And so there's the running joke from the Babylon Bee that John Piper's running around the beach slapping <laughs> seashells out of people's hands. But no, we don't want to waste our retirement, right? So I think to the retiree, you think about, okay, what what does God what, what would God want me to be using this time for? Um, that doesn't mean you can't go on vacations and do stuff like that, but yeah. like how can I redeem this time and for His glory? How can I be serving in ways that maybe my 8 to 5 job used to hinder me and mm-hmm. to things like that? So I think that'd be a... The question I would want to pose to a retiree, how can I use my time for God's glory in yeah. this? So thinking intentionally that way. For the people who are disabled, I think the first and most important thing is to remember God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. God has sovereignly put you in that position with, with the suffering you're going through chronically. And so it's not, um, it, it, you ha- so you have to know, okay, God's got a purpose. God wants me to work. Mm-hmm. Like we all work, we're, we're all working to a degree um, but remember, all work isn't paid work. Mm-hmm. All work isn't uh, the, you know, the formal typical eight to five job. So with whatever strength, ability you have, what would God have you do in your position in life? Mm-hmm. Because just because God's given you this disability, this chronic issue that you're dealing with, doesn't mean God doesn't have something for you to do. Uh, Psalm 92, I think is so encouraging because it says um, there, I think it's starting verse 13 following that, um, that the righteous are kind of like a cedar in lebanon they 're like a palm tree, so those trees in jerusalem or or Jericho or uh, trees that were, or could last hundreds of years yeah. and and live, live in the wilderness and all this kind of stuff and he says they will not be they will not cease to be green and full of sap Mm-hmm. And so that's we're kind of referring to old age, and it's referring to spiritual, like you won't cease to be fruitful for God's glory even in old age. I think that can be applied to disabilities too. It's like even if you are um, you know, struggling to do typical work with your body, if you still are able to do God's will, I mean, still, if He still has you here on earth, He's still got a purpose for you yeah. to bring Him glory. So that could mean even just being a prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, um, reading scripture, uh, writing letters to people, writing emails of encouragement to people—like you have got a spiritual gift—and so you have to be more creative and thinking: How does God want me to work for Him mm-hmm. with this disability? Yeah. And I think that is so helpful and encouraging because sometimes we can, you know, when we have these chronic issues, it can be very discouraging. We can start with depression and be like, "Man, do I even have a purpose? Do I have any worth or value?" And it's like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. As long as God's got you here on Earth, God hasn't made any mistakes. Yeah. And you've got spiritual gifts, you have ways in which you can serve that, yes, they're not typical ways, but there is a purpose and work for you to do for God's glory, uh, even though it looks different. So try, you have to be creative. Yeah. You have to think outside of the box, and okay, what ways can I be serving? And that's, that's so helpful for helping drive away self-pity, depression, um, by reorienting your perspective towards others okay mm-hmm. I've got this disability God's sovereign he hasn't messed up what does he want me to do with what I can do yeah it's different but different isn't bad so what what can I do I gotta think creatively here do I need to be a prayer warrior do I need to encourage people through emails or you know what can I do the yeah. and and sometimes it maybe it's reaching out to the pastors and if you if you need if somebody needs more help thinking through some of those things and we'd love to help but um, yeah there's lots of opportunities sometimes you just mm-hmm. need someone to help you think and then the last category was um, uh, old age yeah and again it's the same thing what how asking how can I glorify God uh, in the context that I'm in mm-hmm. so it, let's say you're in the nursing home um, I, last I checked we still have a great commission to share the gospel wherever mm-hmm. we are so how can I love my neighbors in mm-hmm. in the in the nursing home um, how can I be praying for people how can I be loving people and serving people? And if I, if in my old age, I'm just losing my faculties, you know, my physical ability to get up and do stuff for myself, it's like, how can I be praying? How can I be worshiping God? Because in at the end of Psalm 92, it says that, the, what it, re, it defines what it means to be full of sap. It says, always praising God, for He yeah. is just. Yeah. And so how can I always be praising God in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my old age, in the midst of my disability, that he is just and good. How can I be letting that known to the world? How can I work in whatever form I can in the context that I'm in, in and, and not give in to self-pity, not give into to depression or discouragement, but just keep knowing that God's got a purpose for me to glorify him.
0: That's great. Tyson, I appreciate you taking the time uh, today to just sit down and process this more. A lot for us to think about, but I mean, again, this idea of the fact that uh, as christians we are not our own we have been bought with a price and therefore we are we belong to the lord and so all that we do um, is an expression of worship uh, to him so all kinds of ways that that manifests itself but thanks for helping us see uh particularly what that looks like in the world of work and employee and employer relationships so uh, we're excited for the coming weeks. So we're getting close to the end of uh, Ephesians here. We're going to be taking a break here for uh, a few weeks. I know Pastor Daniel Bennett will be in the, the pulpit for us this uh, coming Sunday, so probably won't have a post-sermon uh, podcast next week, but uh, we will be back into it here in a few weeks as we uh, enter into the final uh, section in many ways of, uh, of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So thank you, church, and we'll look forward to, to seeing you then. God bless.